and their mothers. Again, we said good morning to you earlier, but again, to everyone else, we say good morning. This sermon this morning is focused on our mothers, so dads, you can sit back and kind of chill, but we will take some lesson this morning. Just a couple quotes for our moms. Mom, I love you even though I'll never accept your friend requests. You're going to miss this someday, I tell myself, as, as I step on Legos all the way to the bathroom. Whoever wrote the song, Easy Like a Sunday Morning, never had kids. A worried mother does more research than the FBI. That is true. C.S. Lewis says, children are not a distraction from important work. They are the most important work. I like this one. Life does not come with a manual. Instead, God gave us mothers. Nothing is lost until your mom can't find it. And that was true in my family. Maybe you'll agree with this one. When your mom voice is loud enough that even your neighbors brush their teeth and get dressed. If you have both sons and daughters, moms, would you agree? Boys are less drama than girls, but harder to keep alive. And moms, maybe you feel this way. You start making breakfast but end up making breakfast for everyone else but yourself. And moms, you're asked a lot of things. I'm hungry, I'm cold, can I, where are you, am I allowed, where are we, why can't we? I want to go here, I want to go there, can I have? When the only question children ask their father is, where's mom? All right? So as we gather this morning, we come to church, and we just came through a study of the doctrine of the church, we come together to meet Jesus. We come to hear his word, we come gathered together to worship, to pray, to fellowship with one another, to honor, of course, today mothers. See, God has etched into humanity this great, great individual, this human being he created called a mother. You see, the mother is the oldest occupation in the world, and God instilled in mothers the love, I believe, that replicates the love of the Father. See, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. What amazing love, and mothers, you have that love for your children. You ever hear that phrase, um, you have a face that only a mother could love? No matter what you look like, no matter what you've done or where you've been, your mom will love you. There's babies that I look at to say, man, that is one ugly baby. Never of my five, but a mother would say, they're the most beautiful thing in the world. I think the perfect picture, the perfect verse that we look at of God's love is Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated, showed, proved his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In our ugliness of our sin, a wretched individual we were, guess who died for us? Jesus. Our mothers taught us a lot of things. Our mothers, I know my mom taught me logic. But mom, why? Because I said so. My mother taught me genetics. You're just like your father. My mom taught me foresight. Jason, make sure you have clean underwear on in case you get in an accident. I never understood that as long as I live. Okay, mom, I will. My mother taught me anticipation. Just wait until your father gets home. My mother taught me about receiving. Man, you are going to get it when we get home. My mom taught me a lot about religion. You better pray that it comes out of the carpet. You better pray that it comes out of the carpet. My mother taught me about stamina. You're going to sit there until those vegetables are gone. 
I've been there many times. I'm thankful for my dog. Anyway, <laughs> my mother taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I will take you out of this world. My favorite one is the one mom taught us, justice. One day you're going to have kids, and I hope they're just like you. I can't wait to watch. However, and there's times in our lives through the years that we view mothers differently. When we're four or five years old, mom can do anything in your eyes. At age 11, mom does a few things all right. At age 17, mom knows nothing. At 25, mom's beginning to know a few more things. At 35, let's ask mom. At 45, I wonder what mom is thinking. And then we turn 65. We just wish for an opportunity to talk to our mother. See, mothers, God created with your instincts, structured your bodies differently. I know we live in a culture that wants to prove otherwise. But think about it for a moment. Man was alone in the garden. In Genesis chapter 2, he says it's not good for man to be alone. So he put Adam to sleep, took a rib out of Adam's body, and formed woman. Structured you differently. Gave you as a woman different feelings and thoughts and, and, and concerns and, and, and characteristics. Just think about it for a minute, moms. You are created to grow a human body in your body. Where's, uh, where's Ellie? Ellie and Heather stand. Where's Heather? Where's Heather at? Say, we're coming. Ellie stand. These are our two new moms that are expecting very, very soon. See? There, yes, yes. Go ahead. Go to the bathroom, Heather. You gotta go. That's fine. I understand. Think about it. You can grow a human being within your body. And then some miraculous reason God's created that you can feed that baby in your body. And then that, that baby comes out of the, the birthing canal, and then you as a mother can feed that baby with your body. Amazing. God intricately woven us in our mother's womb, and he cares for us with our moms outside of the womb. Moms, God has given you a gentle, quiet demeanor as you deal with your kids. Maybe not every day. But God's given you something that he hasn't given fathers. I'm reminded of a story of a mother and daughter walking through a grocery store, and this, 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 this daughter was just crazy. I want this, I want that screaming. You know how some kids are that you just want to take out to the woodshed, right? And they get to the checkout. The mom's just there, and she's speaking. Ellen, it's going to be okay. Ellen, we're almost done. Ellen, we're almost to the car. Well, the customer that was in front of the mother says, wow, you're really teaching your daughter Ellen some great lessons. And she looked at the lady and says, I'm Ellen. I'm Ellen. I'm calming myself down here. So this morning, our text is 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to learn about this mother by the name of Hannah. So the question I want to leave us this morning is this. What kind of legacy are you leaving your children's mom? Now, dads, your message is coming in a few weeks with Father's Day, but we can, list, we can glean from what we're going to learn this morning. Th see, through the pages of Scripture, God has raised up godly men, and behind those godly men are godly moms. Think of Moses. Jochebed was Moses' mother's name. Moms, just, just for a minute, go with me. 
Can you imagine hearing the, the, the edict come out from Pharaoh that all Hebrew babies will be killed? And you have to take your baby, and you have to stick that baby in a wicker basket and push him down the Nile River, never to be seen again. Wow. Or you think of Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. She was a foreign woman. Was not supposed to marry Jewish people because of her worship of gods. But she became a follower of God through her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she ended up marrying Boaz. And through Boaz and Ruth came, you know who Obed is? Do you know who Jesse is? Do you know who David is? And through David, lineage of Jesus Christ came... Or Esther, God used this amazing woman to preserve the Jewish people. And lastly, Jesus' mother Mary, at 14 years old, received the call from God to conceive by, by, be conceived by the Holy Spirit to bring forth the salvation of the world for all mankind. So let's begin this morning as we look at Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a certain man of Ramatham Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeraham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. I want you to underline that verse there, that phrase. But, and Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Right there, that is the focal point of this text this morning. You can see, okay, yeah, that's, I'm trying to understand what that means. I'm going to share with you the problem with that. Verse 4, Hannah. A couple of historical things here we must understand is that having children in this culture meant a blessing from the Lord. If we look at Psalms 127, verses 3 and 5, the, the scripture will be on the screen for you this morning, it says this, Behold, children are an inheritance from the Lord, the fruit of a womb a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, or the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is filled with them. You see, being barren was a curse from God, so the culture thought, an affliction. In fact, actually, if you, if you look at Genesis chapter 30, Rachel says, give me a child or let me die. If we read down in 1 Samuel 1, actually Hannah says, this is an affliction. It is a suffering for me. It gives me great pains knowing I cannot bear a child. See, there were some rabbinical teachings of the time. Now, these were not scriptural teachings. Understand, as we studied the Pharisees, the Pharisees would add rules and regulations to the law to God to make them feel better and make them feel more spiritual. These rabbinical laws by no means are anything that come from the Word of God. These were man-made rules. And here were two rabbinical rules. If you were a single Jewish man and did not marry, you were considered excommunicated from God. Number two is if you were a Jewish woman who could not conceive, you were considered excommunicated from God. Wow. Understand, that is not what the Bible says. This was rabbinical law. In fact, they added more to the law. If you were married and you could, could not conceive, within 10 years, your husband could do one of two things. He could divorce you or marry another woman for the purpose of producing children. And that is exactly what we're reading here in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Elkanah loved Hannah, did not divorce her, but chose Penina to be the bearer of his children. Let's continue reading verse 3. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. 
where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and all her sons and daughters. You can see, underline Penina and all her sons and daughters. I want you to understand where Hannah's mindset is in this text. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. Through the, though the Lord had closed her womb, and her rival used to provoke, and that rival is Penina, provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more than ten sons? This morning, I want us to look at three traits of a godly mother from 1 Samuel chapter 1 this morning. Our first trait this morning is this. Godly mothers encounter problems. Godly mothers encounter problems. Well, what were the two problems that that Hannah faced? She was barren, and she had a rival that was a thorn in her flesh in the home. Moms, put yourself in Hannah's place. Per Jewish customs, you are worthless because you can't conceive. She's considered cursed. She cannot give her husband what he wants as a child, which is just a child. So in her mind, I failed him. See, these trips to the temple each year were of sadness and rejection, not of happiness and gladness. See, this was extremely hard for Hannah, and I know for individuals maybe that are here or that are watching um, online, Mother's Day is not a day of celebration, but a reminder of what you do not have. Infertility affects one out of eight women in the United States. Actually, 7.3 million American women are infertile. They cannot conceive. We must understand that childbearing is a part of God's sovereignty. And I'm going to be very, very honest. I don't understand why certain women can't conceive. Good women who would be great mothers. And then tried to, tried to put my mind around the fact there are 13, 14-year-old women who are getting pregnant time and time again and they're throwing their baby on the altar of abortion. I can't wrap my mind around that, Pastor. So, when we can't wrap our mind around it, and we don't have answers, where do we go? We go to God's Word, and I'm reminded in Romans chapter 11, what, what God told the Christians there with the Apostle Paul. He says this, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments, and how inscrutable His ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been His counselor, or who has given a gift to Him that He may be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want you to know if you're in that situation, I want you to know that your worth is not what you produce. Your worth is in that God created you and he loves you and he has a plan for you. He has not abandoned you. Look through the pages of scripture. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Ruth, and we studied a few months ago the life of John the Baptist, Elizabeth, who was 80 years old, him, her and her husband begging God for a child. If you're unable to have children, you are not a curse. But you are kept for a greater blessing that God has for you. 
Just a few things to think about if you're in that position, or we have friends or family that are in this position. Just three words of encouragement for us this morning. God, number one, God may be still preparing you to be a mother. Number two, God may be preparing you to adopt or to foster. There are many, many individuals, young people who are thrown out of their homes and need homes. And wouldn't it be great to put them in a godly home? And number three, God may be keeping you available in your Christian walk to do amazing things in your life. Sister in Christ, never underestimate the plans God has for you, even when we don't understand. God is good and all the time, isn't he? Not only do we see that godly mothers encounter problems, Hannah encountered two problems. And you say, only two problems she had in her life? I have a lot of problems in my life. Well, number two is this, godly mothers created lasting priorities. Godly mothers create lasting priorities. We're just going to go down verses 9 through 20. I'm going to overview this text here. Go to verse 10. She's going to the temple to pray. Verse 10, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. This wasn't that she was just crying. She wept bitterly because of the situation she was in. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look at the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. And she continued praying before the Lord and Eli observed her mouth. What is, what is Hannah praying here? Listen, you give me a child, you give me a child, I'm giving it right back to you. I will give him to the Lord. Verse 13, Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips were moving, her voice was not heard. So for us to be like talking to ourselves. Therefore Eli took her as a drunken woman, and Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered. I want you to see Hannah's, how Hannah's been conditioned here in her response because of what culture thought of her. No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Look at verse 16. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. So here she is in the temple. Listen, priest Eli, Society thinks I'm worthless. Society thinks I'm a nobody because I cannot give, give my husband a child. Please, don't consider me a worthless servant. Do you see the mindset that Hannah has here in this text? Verse 17, Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made known. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. And the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord, and they went back to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked him from, from the Lord. God answered her prayer. So what do we see Hannah doing here in her distress and worry? Let's just kind of overview a couple points here in this particular text. She prayed and she wept. She poured her heart out to God. Moms, there's sometimes in our lives that we're going to have to pour our heart out before the Lord of hosts. That word there, Lord of hosts, is very interesting in the Hebrew. You see, when we pray to God, we're praying to God. We pray to Jesus, pray to the Holy Spirit. But in the Old Testament context, in the culture, when they mentioned the, the name, a name of God, it was about a characteristic they were praying for in their life. So Lord of hosts, you know what Lord of hosts means in Hebrew? It means Lord of all. 
sovereign over all creation. So what Hannah is praying to God is, Lord, you are in control. You are sovereign over all. I am coming to you. I know you are over all things. Hannah does not shake her fist at God and say, God, why? Why, God? No, she simply just casts her care upon God. And I think there's a verse in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. In fact, I know there is. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Or Philippians chapter 4, do not be anxious about anything, but everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. She continually prayed to God her heart. Do you notice in verse 18, she went to the temple happy. I'm sorry, she went to the temple sad. She came out happy. She came out happy. Why? Because her priorities were in place. She just spoke to God. She gave her, she gave God her needs, and guess what? God blessed her and answered her prayer. You see, Hannah had a real relationship with God. Moms, let me ask you a minute. How is your relationship with God? I know we have to ask that question. What are our priorities? I know it's to feed our kids, it's to clothe them, it's to care for them. But how about spiritually? I want us to turn quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is the parents, but today we're focusing on mothers. It's the job description of parents. And moms, this is what I'm going to challenge you with today. This is your job description when you are raising your child. We're gonna just, there's four particular um, points of interest here in this text, and we're just going to go through them real quick. This is what giving a lasting priority to our kids is about. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6, we'll start there. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall shall talk of them. Okay, here are four things. When you sit in your house, moms, do you point your children to Jesus in conversations that you have with them in life? Grandparents, do you encourage your grandchildren in the things of God? God told Moses to tell the nation, hey, when they're at home, you talk about the law, you talk about the things of God. At home, what kind of conversations do you find yourself getting into with your family? I don't care how little or how old they are. Number two, when you walk by the way, well, in that culture, they walked everywhere, or they were on a donkey, or they were in some kind of a cart. Well, what is our getting from point A to point B? It's in a vehicle. And I know what happens. You get in the vehicle, you turn on the radio, and like, you're jamming out the music, or you have your devices, and your kids are zoned out for the last two-hour trips. I know that's delightful. It is. I know. But is there better use of our time as parents as we're going from point A to point B? As they walk by the way, as you're in the car with your child, what kind of conversations can lead and direct them to the things of God, moms? Try that. No matter how old they are. Number three, when you lie down. Moms, do you pray with your children before they go to bed? Do you read a verse? Do you get their minds focused on God before they go to sleep? And of course, fourthly, we see, and when you rise, when you get up in the morning, 
Do you have a time of devotion? When I say devotion, I mean a time of encouragement for your child, a time of prayer with your child that gets their, their day started thinking about God. Moms, you are your kid's discipler. I don't even know if that's a word. I just made it up, so good for me. Many ladies will say, oh, I, I, just have, I have not discipled anyone in my life. If you have children, you've discipled your kids for 18 years. You have the greatest impact of your child's life. You should be the greatest impact. See, moms, do not stop this impact even when your kids leave the home. But my kid's an adult. So what? Can you still encourage your adult child in the ways of God? Yeah. Grandparents, can you encourage your grandchildren in the ways of God? Yeah. Leaving your kid this Deuteronomy inheritance. Thinking back, I lost my mother a few months ago. Deuteronomy chapter 6. My mom lived that. My mom was not a wealthy individual. Didn't give me money, wealth, inheritance. She gave me a box of cookies. That was her inheritance because she was a good cook. But you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, and even to the weeks before she passed, she could talk for very little because of her breathing, and she would say, Jay, what do you need me to pray for? She fulfilled Deuteronomy 6. And even through times in my life, okay, mom, turn the spirituality down here in high school, you know, with family devotion. Okay, mom, okay, I get it. Yes, we're Christians, you know, when your friends are over. Okay, mom, just chill it down a little bit. She continued to live out Deuteronomy chapter 6. Moms, leave your kids this inheritance. Don't worry about leaving them finances and all the things of this world because guess what Scripture tells us? It will burn up. But you know what will not burn up? Talking about the things of God. And having your family pass it on to that generation. And that generation pass it on. You see, God had a plan with this job description. So let's continue to do our story this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 1. What were Hannah's priorities? I think we have to look at Hannah's priorities here. First, we see they were God. Prayer. She was focused on telling God her problems. And secondly, was her priority was her husband was her husband. You can see there in the conversation, they had a good relationship. Elkanah was just following the, the rules of the land, the laws of the land. Look at verse 5. He gave her a double portion. He generally loved Hannah. Verse 8, even the conversation we see there, we just, listen, aren't I better than ten sons? Listen, moms, will you and your husbands have conflict at times in your life? Yes. Do your kids see you handling problems with your, your husband? Yeah. That's a, a good, good example for them to see how mom and dad handle things. Do you goof off? Do you have fun together? Do you kiss each other? I know when the kids are little, that happens. They come up around you. Go, oh, kiss again, kiss again, right? You know, age 19, 20. Oh, please, gross me out, Mom and Dad. Go somewhere else. But kids love seeing that. They love seeing that. Mom, show your children you love God and you love their dad. Show them that you love God and you love their dad. 
Not only do we see Hannah encounter problems in her barrenness, not only do we see her providing lasting priorities by serving God, by focusing on God, but lastly, and our final trait this morning is this, godly mothers produce godly plans. Godly mothers produce godly plans. What do we see Hannah doing here at the end of our text? Look at verse 21. The man Elkanah and his wife went up, and his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, so can Samuel, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young, and they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. Understanding two words here in this text, the word nursing and weaning. In the Hebrew culture, different in how we understand it. Of course, nursing means the same as the baby's dependence on a mother for food. But weaning is something totally different. We kind of combine those two words in our culture, don't we? Weaning in the Hebrew means this, to deal fully with or put in action. This really has to do with discipleship. Um, many, some scholars believe that it was as, he was as young as three years old when he was given to the temple. Do you remember when you were three years old? I don't. I have no idea what my parents were telling me at three years old. But many other biblical scholars believe he was between the age of five and ten before he was given to the temple because of this word weaning. Now, the next service, we're going to dedicate some young children here with our families before Mark Cable comes and shares in song. Can you imagine ded- the dedication? You, Kate, Rick and Paige, you say, okay, here are my boys. Take them. They're yours. Have fun. That's what S- Hannah did here with Samuel. But, Samuel. but Hannah had to pour into Samuel and disciple him in the way that he should go. And then he gave, she gave him to the temple. We see this idea of weaning in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul tells Timothy this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. What is Paul saying? Listen, you were brought up by your grandmother, your mother in the ways of God. You were weaned properly in the spiritual asset. Moms, what an unbelievable privilege you have to spend this time that you have your kids at home to have this kind of influence for a brief period, and it is a brief period. Right, moms? You guys that have kids that are adults, two of our oldest are are out, and you're like, wow, where did the time go? A short time. Look at verse 26, and she says, Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition I made to him, Therefore, I have lent. That word there in the Hebrew means given, not how we understand I lent something. No, this is given. I've given him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Moms, do you see what she did here? She begged and she pleaded God that she wouldn't be worthless in society to give her a son. And what did she do after she weaned him five to ten years? Gave him back to God. Who's that remind you of? You remember the story of Abraham? God told him, listen, you take your only son, and you want you to go up and kill him on Mount Moriah. What? 
Hannah loved her God most of all. Let's not forget the emotional and mental stability she was in at this point. Infertile, a rejection in society. She had this crazy woman living in her home that she hated, I'm sure, disliked, was a rival. No doubt, ladies, you'd want to poke her eyes out many times. You can understand the word there, provoked. She was teasing and agitating Hannah many times. I mean, ladies, how would you handle that? Not well, I would bet to say. And seven years later, she gives up the son forever to God. Moms, I'm going to encourage you as we close. Do not let your children manipulate your standard of spirituality and what you want to teach them spiritually. What I mean was when you go to church, Mom, I'm not going to go to church today. Those words never came out of my mouth growing up. No, you're going to go to church. Because, moms, that's your job description. You're pointing them to the ways of God. Mom, I just don't feel good. Good. I had to be literally like throwing up dying to not go to church. That's just the way we rolled in the Palmer household. Bible reading. Do you encourage your child? Mom, let me ask this. Moms, are you showing by example reading the Bible? Do you show by example that you have devotions and pray in the morning? Listen, you can't expect your kids, hey, you, you, I want you to read the Bible, and you don't. That's, that's what's, what's called hypocrisy. Moms, are you setting an example of opening God's word in the morning and praying? Do your kids see that? I used to always walk by my, my parents um, in the, when my dad was at work, and, and I, like, we were in the summertime. My mom had the door closed, and I hear like, kind of this mumbling in her room. My mom had an, like an hour a day that she would just get on her knees on her bed and pray. And don't, we never knocked on the door. We never bothered her. Mom, leave me alone. Okay, yeah, yeah. Why? That was important to her. Moms, we have to show that the things of God are important to us. Then and only then can we teach our young child how it looks. Family devotions. I hated family devotions. I really did. Because my dad would have family devotions with my friends over. Dad, do you want me bullied for the rest of my life? It didn't matter. Why? Because they were following Deuteronomy chapter 6. Don't let Satan distract you from your godly influence that you have on your children. He wants your children. He wants to distract you from teaching them the things of God. He wants to distract you from having them in the word. Don't let it happen. Think of Hannah and what she did. As a godly mother, you're going to have problems, lots of problems. Take them to the Lord in prayer. As a godly mother, she created lasting priorities. Moms, have your priorities in motion. What do you show as priorities in your life? Hopefully it's God, your husband, and everything else. And thirdly, you see Hannah as a godly mother produce godly plans. Moms, listen. Encourage your children in the gifts and abilities they have to serve God. Okay? Get them plugged into church. May they see your life, that you're here, and you're serving God with your gifts and abilities. Influence those children to pursue things that matter for eternity, not things that are going to just burn up, fizzle away. Mothers, I trust you are going to be treated very well today. For those that are visiting, we're so glad you're here. 
So moms, thanks for all you do for us. And you deserve to be honored today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for this this chapter in the Bible of this, this great woman who you use, who sacrificed her son to give back to you and the problems that she had and she went through. Lord, may we, may we take a lesson of these great, great characters in the Bible. They were human like us, and Lord, we can learn from them. Lord, thank you for our mothers. Thank you for giving us such a, a, a great woman in our lives who guided and directed us. And may we be, may our moms be that same woman God and direct these children of the future to serve you and to honor you. And we ask this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Okay, what we're going to do now is it's, the day's not over, man. We still got a fun, fulfilled day. So we're going to leave here and go to our family life center. So if you go out here, go to the left, there's our gymnasium. We have a light breakfast, some muffin bagel, muffins and bagels. Someone said muffins for moms. Isn't that cute little slogan, right? We're going to go over and grab a little bit of a, a, a breakfast spend time fellowshipping. We have someone over there taking pictures. We have a backdrop so families can get their pictures taken together, and then we'll put them up on our social media page. You can grab them off and, and use them. So please, we're going to do that for about 30, 30, 35 minutes, and then we'll dismiss you. We'll come back in here. We have a baby, or we call it a family dedication um, for four families that are dedicating their child. What an appropriate message to preach and then have that particular activity. And then after we're done that, Mark Cable's going to come and he's going to just, just, we're going to enjoy him in song. And mothers, you're not going to want to miss it. He's a great musician, a great friend. He's been here before. And so we want to, you, you just have a great morning here at Faith Bible Church. So you are dismissed. Go grab some breakfast and we'll see you back here about 1030.